0: Hey, Life Church. Roger here. So excited that you're listening to us today. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a brand new listener, welcome for the first time. So excited that you're here. Be sure to follow, like, subscribe so you can catch more of what we put out. We uh, Not only do we put out sermons and, and services and things like that, but we also occasionally put out some other cool stuff like interviews with staff and things like that. So be sure to follow us so you can stay up to date on all that awesome content. Either way, we are deep in our 10-year 10 series, uh, ten-year vision series right now where we're talking about the vision that God has placed on the hearts and minds and prayers of our leaders and the ways that we're excited about where that vision is going to take us, where God is going to take us. So uh, all this talk about participation, just want to remind you that uh, there's so many ways to participate in what God is doing in our church and our community, and one of those is by giving. So head over to our org forward slash now page to see how you can give and participate participate. participate in God's activity. Uh, That's always an an awesome opportunity that we want to take advantage of. Uh, But like I said, we are in our 10-year vision series. Uh, This week, week two of the series is brought to us by Pastor Jared, who's going to talk a lot about the image of God and reclaiming the image of Jesus in us. And he's also going to talk about maturity and and some really cool stuff. So we'll talk about action steps after, but for now, uh, enjoy the message and we'll catch up in a minute.
1: Can have a seat. Yeah, we can clap for that. Wonderful. Welcome to Life Canton. My name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors here. Super excited to be with all of you. And thank you for those of you who are watching online as well. If you're just joining us on the podcast, we just sang a song, It Is Well. And my prayer for all of you is that it is well with your soul. No matter what you came in with, if you were fighting in the car the moment you got here even, I pray it's well with your soul. Uh, we're going to continue to talk about vision. We started a series just this last week uh, called our, it's our 10-year vision. And we said, we want just one thing from you is we want you to know the way. And the way is that you reclaim your identity in Jesus so that you can bear the torch of Christ's justice and love. That's a big vision. That's our vision for all of us in this room and watching online. And we were in Ephesians chapter four. We're gonna continue to go there in just a second as well. Uh, But before I do anything else, I just wanna make sure to clear something up, okay? Because I've been a little bit confused these last couple weeks, and that is this. Uh, I need some crowd participation, so hopefully you can help answer this for me. Is it true that Detroit feels as though they are somehow involved in the Super Bowl simply because of... You didn't even let me finish what I was gonna ask. Because of Eminem. <laughs> no, Matthew Stafford. Somehow you're all... Whatever, okay. All right, we're going to move right along talk about spiritual stuff. Here we go. Uh, I... I question this sometimes, this idea of reclaiming my identity in Christ. Maybe as you sat with it last week and you're asking this question, like, what does that even mean? Maybe you're not even part of the church, you're just checking things out, and you're like, I don't even know if I had an identity in Jesus to begin with. So maybe there's a lot of questions surrounding that. So I want to go right to the source. Okay, so we are in Ephesians 4, but I'm going to go back just two chapters. And what I want you to do is for those of you um, who maybe you've heard this verse a million times, I want you to hear it differently. And then for those of you who are brand new to the Bible, that's entirely okay. I want you to hear this with fresh ears, if you will. Go ahead and close your eyes and hear this from Ephesians chapter 2. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, is what it means to have your identity in Jesus. Amen? You can open your eyes. I'm done. That's it. That's all I need to do. No. (laughs) There's more to say. There's more to talk about. Because when it comes to reclaiming our identity in Jesus, what comes with that is this understanding that there has to be transformation and change and growth and maturity. And so that's what I want to spend my time doing today, talking about what does it look like to reclaim that identity? What does it look like to mature? I want to tell you just a brief story. When I got my first job in ministry, I was working at a Bible camp in Northwest Iowa. We were out in the woods, and I affectionately referred to myself as a hippie Christian, right? Uh, in only endearing terms. I used to have super long hair. Let me rephrase that. I used to have hair. And... Um, <laughs> And so it was like super free-flowing environment. It was like, yeah, man, Jesus loves you. You know, like it was anything goes. There was no not a whole lot of organization uh, involved or planning, but still somehow people met Jesus and it was, it was really great. Now, eventually I got a job at a church. And in fact, I got a job at a very large church with a very large youth ministry. Uh, but here's the thing. Within the first year, I didn't really change all that much about who I was. I was still that hippie Christian, if you will. But then we got a new boss. And within about two months of him being on staff, he pulled me aside in his office and he said, you got to get some things figured out. You don't prepare, you don't plan budgets, you're not organized, and if you don't figure this out, then it's not going to work out for you. And immediately, I was filled with rage, just complete anger. I don't know if any of you have ever sat in that seat before where you're called out, where you're critiqued on your performance and on your work. And I immediately got filled with anger and after the meeting, I grabbed my pen and my paper and I walked back to my cubicle and I chucked my, my pen and paper at the cubicle. I was so frustrated. And I had a choice in that moment. I could either just sit with my anger and just be angry with him and just be like, I don't deserve this. Or I could take his criticism and I could choose to change and grow sure. Here's the thing. I had an incredible opportunity and I wasn't fully living into that opportunity. I wasn't embracing what was given to me. I had an opportunity to grow and to change and to mature. Part of reclaiming our identity in Jesus is all about maturing and growing into the identity in Jesus. And here's the thing, if we don't do this, then we will never reclaim our identity. I want to show you what I'm talking about. We're going to go back to Ephesians 4, which is where we were last week. Go back through that. Now, if you're newer to the church, newer to the Bible, and you don't even have a Bible, that's entirely okay. It'll be on the screens, and you can follow along in that way. But I'm just going to read through this bit by bit, and then we're going to unpack it just a little bit, okay? So Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. It says this, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Let me stop there. He's about to talk about some of these gifts. But first, what I want to point out is that these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. So the reason I'm pointing that out is because for everything that I'm going to say from here on out is mostly directed at those of you who consider yourself to be part of the church, who would call yourself a follower of Jesus. So if you're not, then you kind of get the privilege of being a bit of a spectator today. That there's technically no obligation for you to be in obedience or be in alignment with this. Now, my hope is that eventually you recognize that you still belong, that you have an identity in Christ, that you are discovering that, and that eventually you consider yourself to be part of the church. But for now, I want you to understand that this part of the message is directed to the church, okay? So let's continue to read uh, the rest of that section. So now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, which is referred to as the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So in other words, there are these gifts, these roles, these jobs and responsibilities that Christ gave to people to be in the church in order to build up the church. They all have one collective job, even though they all have unique giftings and and abilities and responsibilities. All of them are focused on this effort of unity and maturity, growth. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Why is unity and maturity so important? What's the big deal? Let's continue to read verse 14. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We won't be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Okay, so what's so important about unity and maturity? Well, quite simply, if we don't have unity, we don't have maturity, then we have disunity and immaturity. Kind of simple, right? That's what's at stake if we don't unify, if we don't mature. Paul goes a little bit more specific and he uses these mixed metaphors that I refer to as babies, boats, and buffoons little alliteration for help in memorizing that. Babies, boats, and buffoons. And you're like, well, what are you talking about? Those words aren't even in there. Let me show you what I mean. We will no longer be infants, or sorry, immature like children. We will not be like babies or infants who have to rely on everybody else to do everything for them. A baby needs an adult to change them, to feed them. And, and then when they don't get what they want, they don't articulate that nicely. No, they just cry and scream and shout to get what they want. Now, certainly we might all agree that babies are cute, right? But as you get older, and maybe some of you have experienced this, even in elementary school and later on, if somebody calls you a baby, if they say you're acting like a baby, they're not calling you cute. Okay, so there's a difference. We have to grow up. In fact, two years ago, we did a whole series on the book of Ephesians and Nathan gave the message when it came to this part of the scripture. And what he did is he mixed up a bottle of formula and then to make matters even worse, he continued to spray it on everybody in the crowd. I'm still experiencing PTSD from that. (laughs) But he was trying to make this point that it looks weird for a grown adult to be drinking formula out of a baby's bottle. Spiritually speaking, it looks weird for those of us who would consider ourselves in the Lord, followers of Jesus, to continue to still rely on others to have to chew up pieces of food and give us smaller bits so that we can consume. Or reduce it down to milk. I just need things given to me. I need it given to me in an easy way. Our, you a baby that is still relying on others for the growth of your faith? Are you expecting faith to just sort of happen to you, to just let others do it for you? Or are you taking an active, intentional role in working out your faith with fear and trembling, continuing to try to understand who it is that God has called me to be, how I need to reclaim my identity in Jesus? Do you take an active role in spiritual disciplines of doing justice and prayer and fasting and giving? Are you participating in what God has called you to be? Second thing is boats. If you're not a baby, maybe you're a boat. And again, you might like that that's not there in the scriptures. In the Greek, it refers to the wind and the waves. So we can assume there's a body of water involved here and it was most likely referring to a boat on the water because in the ancient Jewish world, they didn't swim. They were actually terrified of the water. They believed it had evil qualities in it. So we're probably talking about boats on windy waves here. And maybe more specifically, a boat without a rudder that doesn't have any direction or intention or purpose or where it's going. And Paul had all kinds of experience on boats. He took a lot of different boats to a lot of different destinations on his missionary journeys. And in fact, he got shipwrecked three times. So he's very well aware of the metaphor that he's using here. And trying to say, spiritually speaking, are you just like a boat without a rudder that has no destination? And anytime the wind and the waves come, they just kind of blow you in whatever direction you're gonna go. Let me ask you, Do the wind and the waves of our culture blow you and toss you into any different direction? Maybe you don't have a rudder. And maybe you're not even sure what your destination is supposed to be. Maybe you don't have any purpose or intention for your life. You'll just go wherever culture tells you to go. And then maybe (laughs) when the storms come, And you could pretty much say goodbye to any kind of destination. In fact, the boat is probably going to end up destroyed. And who knows where you'll end up at that point. Do the wind and the waves of our culture decide your destination? Or are they so destructive that any time a storm comes and any little bit of faith that you might have had in God is completely wiped away? Because, well, now I'm dealing with this hard circumstance. So that means, God, you must not be here. You must not be worthy of my worship and my faith. Here's the thing. Young people right now, you are in a stage in your life, neurologically, physiologically, formationally, where you are getting your identity decided for you. Are you taking an active role in determining what your identity is? Who defines who you are? Or what defines you? This is a crucial time in your life where you're learning that right now, trying to figure out where is my identity? Do I have an identity in Jesus? Am I rooted in the grace and mercy that we talked about in Ephesians chapter 2 that I read to you at the beginning? Is that what defines you? I would encourage you, it is never too early to determine that rudder, if you will, that identity in Jesus. Here's what Paul says to another young person, a young pastor in his early 20s, to Timothy. He says this, cling to your faith, Timothy. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. And as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. He uses that same terminology. Who's determining the direction of your boat? What is determining the direction of your boat? And here's the thing. I think it's uh, clever or maybe a good coincidence that Paul talks about this idea of a conscience because that is a perfect segue into the third B. We've got babies, boats, buffoons. What's a buffoon? A buffoon is a fool. a Not super smart person. I'm choosing my words carefully there. They they don't really think for themselves. They're easily swindled and tricked into believing, well, whatever they feel like they should believe at that time. And here's the thing. Paul uses this specifically to talk about the guarding of their mind so that they know how to think when anything cunning or deceptive comes their way. The reason he's talking about this is because in the ancient world in Ephesus, Ephesus is kind of a a really big city at the time. There's a lot going on in Ephesus. It's sort of the Harvard and Yale of its day. There is tons of really, really smart people. Really intellectual people, lots of different philosophical ideas about how to think about the world, how to think about the divine order and how it all works together. And there's a lot of clever and very convincing ways of thinking about those things. And Paul is asking, do you have a way of being able to discern what's truth and what's lies? Are you able to be at a point in your maturing journey where you can actually think for yourself so that you can discern when something is antithetical to the gospel of Jesus, which is you are saved by grace, not by anything you can do on your own. Because see, our culture would tell us that you have to do better, do more, be better. And if you're not, well, then you don't measure up. That's not what Jesus says about you. And there's all kinds of philosophies and ideas out there that would change your mind. Are you a buffoon where you can't think for yourself, where you can't discern what's truth and what's lies? God has given us a mind to be able to do this, to think for ourselves, to mature in our minds So this is what Paul is saying. When we mature, we won't be babies, boats, or buffoons. What will we be then? What's the positive thing? What will we be? Well, we get that in verse 15. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. That's kind of a weird transition. I don't know if you caught that or not, but... If we won't be babies, boats, and buffoons, what will we be? Well, Paul doesn't really say that in the next part of the sentence. He says, instead, it's not what we won't be, but it's what we will do. And what we will do will determine what we will become, which is more and more like Christ. So what will we do? Well, we will speak the truth in love. Why is this important? The manner in which we speak is the measure of our maturity. You want to reclaim your identity in Jesus? You want to know whether or not you're maturing? The manner in which you speak is the measure for our maturity. How do you speak? Do you speak the truth in love? Are you a loving person? Again, I'm specifically speaking to those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus. How do you speak at school, in your classroom, with your teachers, with your friends, with your enemies? How do you speak at work, in your office? How do you speak at home? How do you speak on social media? Are you courageous digitally? But in person, cowardly, even there, how you speak, the manner in which you speak is the measure of your maturity. And here's the thing. If we reclaim, if we reclaim our identity in Jesus by maturing, it will change the way that we speak to one another. The way you speak matters. So what do we do with this? How do we go? How do we go forward? How do we know what maturity looks like? How do we know to participate in that process? Or maybe some of you in the room are like, man, this is, this is a lot. This is a lot of work to figure out our gifts and then to build up the body and the church and, and then to understand what maturity and unity looks like and how we speak matter. It just, it feels maybe really overwhelming. Like there's a lot that I have to do. I have to do better. I have to be better, to do more. Maybe some of you are feeling that right now. Like this just feels like more work for me to do. And even that scripture talks about this idea that the responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. And so maybe for you, it feels like work. Maybe it just feels like more shame-based religion. I have to perform for God. And I can even get into that place too when I read through verses 12 through 14 that talks about the role of those in the church, the pastors, right? Like I can lose sleep at night over something like this. Like my job is to help everybody to reclaim their identity in Jesus, to help them to mature and to grow in unity. If y'all aren't growing in unity and maturity, well then that must be a reflection of my inability to help you to do that. So then therefore I must be a failure. And so there's this heavy burden on us to do this work and to do it well. I don't know if you feel that as well. But what I can tell you is that part of my maturing journey, especially as a pastor, has been needing to remind myself of what comes next. And Paul's timing is impeccable here. Check out verse 16. He, Jesus, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. He's doing the work he's holding it together. And as he does that, as each part does its own special work, yes, there's special work involved, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body experiences great success in the church. Every seat in the auditorium is filled. The giving is a surplus. Everybody looks sexy and great and everybody's attractive and everybody wants to come to this church now. Nope. That's not at all what it says. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. It starts with Christ, He is the one that's pulling us all together. Yes, I play a role. Yes, you play a role. Yes, we all have a responsibility to identify what it is that God is calling me into. How, how do I understand my identity? Yes, all of that is true. But let's not forget that the reason you have a calling, the reason that you have any gifts at all is because they are gifts from God. He is the reason we have an identity to begin with. It's not as though once I find out what my calling and my gifts are, that I can say, all right, peace out, Jesus. I think I got it from here. No, no, no. All the more my desperate dependence on Christ increases. God is calling you to something. I don't know what it is yet. I don't know what your gifts and abilities are yet. But as you explore that, it doesn't all of a sudden now become more about you. It actually becomes more, even more about Jesus and continuing to reclaim your identity in him because that is what will inform your gifting and your calling and your role in building up the church. Jesus is the one that makes this possible. So here's what I want for you as we go into this week here's my action step, to position yourself for maturity. Position yourself for maturity so that you can reclaim your identity in Jesus. What do I mean by that? Well, it does not mean do more work, be better. It's not shame-based religion to perform more for God. No, that's not what I'm talking about. In fact, we just talked about this last week as a staff on Wednesday. We had a staff prayer time and Pastor Al led us through a devotional thought and he was just even working through his own emotions about what it means sometimes he feels this pressure to perform for God, to be better, to do more. And then he took us to 1 John chapter 3, verse one, that says, see what great love the father has lavished on his children. Because he calls you children of God. And that is what you are. Present tense, right now, that is what you are. You are a child of God. You were created in the image of God. See how great the Father's love is lavished on you, poured out over you, not because of your performance, not because of your failures, not because of your successes. But because you're a child of God, that is what you are today, right now. So, with that in mind, what can our action steps be? First of all, I want you to identify your gift. Identify your gift. Maybe some of you, you've been in church all your life. You know what your spiritual gifts are. You know what that's all about, and that's great. Keep on going. Keep on maturing. You have not arrived. The moment that you think you arrive, you are no longer healthy and growing and full of love. Keep going forward, living into that gifting that God has called you into. But for those of you who don't know what that's like yet, like, I don't know what my gift is. I don't know what that's all about. Or maybe... Uh, what resonates with you more is babies, boats, and buffoons. Maybe you feel a little bit more like that. Here's what I would say to you. You still have a calling. You still have a gift that God wants to give to you. You just need to explore it. And so what I want you to do is I want you to take out that Connect card that's maybe on the chair that's right next to you or you're sitting on it. Take out that Connect card and let us know that you want to talk about this, that you want to explore what it looks like to identify your gift or to learn more about what your identity in Jesus means. I would say this, practically speaking, this is what the life journey is all about. In fact, if you resonate with this idea of like, maybe I'm a baby, maybe I, I, I don't take an active role in my faith to learn more about who God is and who he's created me to be, encounter as part of life journey is a perfect option for you. Or maybe you feel like a rudderless boat and you're not really sure what your destination is or your next step. You just don't know how to identify what your gift is and you need a little bit of help figuring that out. Advance, as part of life journey, is perfect for that or maybe you feel like a buffoon, like you know you know some things, but you also know some other philosophies and ideas that are maybe antithetical to the gospel, but you're not really sure. And so you don't know how to think for yourself just yet, or to think in community and in unity with others who also understand the gospel, who are also going after the same things. Transform is a perfect opportunity. It's part of the life journey. Put all of that on your connect card, whatever stuck out to you, write it on your connect card and you can turn it in and we will be happy to follow up with you and take next steps with you. That's the first one. That's the biggest one. The second one is this. Use your rudder, your rudder to steer your boat. What is that? The word of God. But more specifically, parts of this letter. The part that I read earlier, to remind you of what it means to have an identity in Jesus. And here's what I want you to understand, is that Paul's letters are usually split up into two halves. The first half spends a good portion of time just reminding us who we are in Christ, regardless of what you've done or haven't done. This is who you are in Christ. The second half is all about, okay, so because of who you are in Christ, then this is how you should live. This is how you should behave and and live into the calling of who you are in Christ. But see, the problem is, is that most of the world only hears the second half of Paul's letters typically and only thinks that Christianity is all about your behavior and what you do and what you don't do. But what they don't realize or what they oftentimes forget is that the doing and the behaving is only as a result of who you already are in Christ. So use your rudder and be reminded of what Christ has done for you and in you and is doing in you today. This week, go and spend some time. Read Ephesians 1 and 2 and just read it over and over and over so that you can continue to reclaim your identity in Jesus. And then lastly, seek discernment. Seek discernment. Learn to think for yourself, but also not only by yourself. See, if we are to speak the truth in love, we have to know what the truth is. And one of the things that Jesus says is that the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. God wants to give you his Holy Spirit to guide you, to lead you, to understand what truth is so that when you're in the mix of conversations where it seems like, it sounds kind of like the gospel of Jesus and kind of doesn't sound, I, I just don't know, we rely on the presence of the Holy Spirit to lead us into truth, to help us to discern what is of God and what is not. And then sometimes you're still not sure and so you surround yourself in community to continue to learn and to grow how to discern what's true and what's not. Here's the thing, if we do this, if we live into this, if we position ourselves for maturity, we will grow all the more. We will be bonded together. Unity will naturally begin to happen. And we will grow into the full measure of the standard, the complete standard of Christ. As we close, I'm mindful of some of those uh, individuals who are in the room, watching online. You're still wrestling with, "I, I don't know that I have an identity in Jesus or ever had one to begin with, so how would I reclaim something I've never had? I'm going to give you a different perspective. The Bible starts off with a narrative about creation. And the story goes that God created humanity in his own image. All humankind was created with the intention of reflecting that image. That's the beginning of the story. But very quickly on, that image gets desecrated and distorted and perverted and lied to and stolen from. And here's the thing. We say, reclaim your identity in Jesus. And you're like, Jesus doesn't come till way later in the story. No, we believe that Jesus is God. Jesus was there in the very beginning. It's why you are called to look more and more like Jesus, who is the reflection of God, and you were created in his image. It was stolen from you. It's time to take it back. And maybe you never even realized that something was stolen from you. That you, from the very beginning, were always meant to have your identity rooted in the one who created you. Don't listen to the lies of culture that you don't look a certain way, you don't behave a certain way, you don't dress a certain way, you don't make a certain amount of money, you don't have this kind of job. No, no, no. All of those things are temporary. My prayer for you is this. I pray that your hearts today will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. His holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. That's you. He is calling you today. He's calling you to come home. Would you stand with me, please? If you want to reclaim your identity in Jesus, I want to invite you to pray along with me. I'm going to say some words. I'm going to talk to God. And you can just repeat in your own heart and head the same things that I'm saying. But if there's something specific on your heart that you want to say to God, that you want to express, and you can do that. You can just tune me out and say whatever you need to say to God. Would you pray with me? God, we need to be filled with light and love today. I want to reclaim my identity. It was stolen from me. I got caught up in the wrong things. I'm concerned about my image. My mental illness has robbed me of experiencing joy. My state of poverty has caused me to think that you're not there to provide for me. My broken marriage, my relationships have caused me to feel all alone. But today, I am taking a risk and I am reclaiming my identity in Jesus so that i can experience new life i can experience the full measure of your grace and your mercy and i see that you are a great father who has lavished his love on his kids today i get to call myself a child of god
0: what a great message not only on the 10-year vision uh the importance of reclaiming our image in Jesus and and what we are going to do as a church and a community to equip our partners to do that, but also just just the importance and the value of growth and maturity as followers of Christ. Uh, Like Pastor Jared said, it's so important, not that we do all of the work because Jesus and the Holy Spirit do the work, but that we position ourselves for that growth. And there are so many ways for you to do that in our church. You can join the life journey, which is a tool for the purpose of helping you grow and mature. Uh, You can join the life group with other uh, brothers and sisters, uh, just so many ways. Um, So if you're, you're looking to get plugged in and and to do what Pastor Jared said, which was position yourself uh, to grow in your faith, uh, reach out to us. Uh, You can reach out to us directly, or you can fill out a connect card and let us know what ways you're looking to get involved and to be positioned to grow. So be sure to do that. Uh, Very important in uh, and, and so many ways you can act on, on that action step uh, but either way if you are you have something going on um, and you need support or prayer also reach out and let us know again the, the connect card is a great way to do that but we also have uh, I started mentioning this last week but we have uh, life groups which are groups of people who get together um, to sh- sometimes share meals uh, but also to, to grow together uh, and to do life together and that's another great way to receive support uh, and love from brothers and sisters in christ so reach out let us know if you want to get involved one of those pastor al would would love to help you with that so but i hope you have a blessed week i hope today you begin the work of positioning yourself for maturity uh, not just today but over the next week uh, but have a blessed week uh, we can't wait to talk more to you about our 10-year vision and what it will entail